This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I mean, you know, you're living in your mother's basement writing a blog on finance. Really, you should stay off the computer, son, and get a job. Seriously. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we're talking about turning inner strength into outer money success with financial coach Beth Burns. Plus, in our headline segment, do you live in one of the least financially savvy states? (laughs) Spoiler alert, only half of Texarkana made the list. Thank you very much. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Drew, who wonders about hiring the right financial advisor, answer a letter from the mailbag, and more. And now, two guys who think Wednesday is just another reason to start a day with donuts... Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Bavarian cream. Have you ever had a Hertz donut? Oh my, you asked me that just... How many shows in a row are you going to ask me that? One. From now on. <laughs> Everyone. You turn over a new leaf. Hey, welcome to the Turnover New Leaf Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. Missing a little bit of a voice and across the card table from me, the I laugh so hard at dad jokes, I cracked myself up, Mr. OG. We have a donut place in my neighborhood here, and they make just fresh glazed donuts. They do other donuts too, but those aren't nearly as good as the, the box of hot glazed donuts that you can get on Saturdays. We have to stop recording so in the good. basement and record at your house. It's so good. We have to. Why don't you ever bring those over with you? Well, I do, usually. It's just by the time I get there, they're gone. <laughs> well, you might want to lay off them just a little, but I probably wouldn't see them anyway, because by the time you get down here and I'm setting up what you got to pass. That's mom and Doug and <laughs> Richie and it's over. everybody's if, if everybody's got their grubby fingers in my box of donuts. And, if if oh, Gertrude's well. over, yeah. You know, it would go away very quickly if it weren't just an online tool is Slack. Because imagine how quickly everybody would take up the Slack. Pick up the Slack. Pick up the Slack. Take out the Slack. There's something there. There's some gold. I haven't found it, but I think there's there's a- Keep trying. I like it. There is a segue there someplace. Thanks to Slack for supporting Stacky Benjamin. Slack is a collaboration hub for work to make sure the right people in your team are always in the loop and key information's always at their fingertips. You can learn more at slack.com. We use Slack here in the basement. I wish Slack had a little thing that would help my voice. That would be fantastic. It's always fun when we it have- It actually the- sounds better now. <laughs> when we have those episodes where we pretend we're back home from FinCon, and then you can always tell the episode where we're really back from FinCon- yeah, 
this is this might be the one. Also, a big thanks to Magnify Money for supporting Stacky Benjamins, our longest sponsor of the show for a reason. It's because the average person saves 450 bucks when they go to Magnify Money, whether it's for better checking or savings accounts, playing the credit card reward game, something we're going to talk about more here in just a minute, or paying less interest to the man. You've got Magnify Money on your side. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money all the financial tools you use every day from all the different banks, all the different providers, all in one place, stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. All right. We've got a fantastic show. Beth Burns is here. She is a Sparty. Sparty on. It is, oh boy. it's a great, great episode because Beth Burns. I won't hold that against her. Coming down to the basement. But first we've got some headlines. I can't wait to get OG's take on. So let's get the party started. Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Investment News, an industry rag for financial advisors, financial planners, brokers, all the stuff going on in the business. This is written by Investment News, comes to us from WalletHub, though. WalletHub compared each state and Washington, D.C. on 24 key metrics of financial smarts or the lack thereof. And they listed the 10 least financially savvy states. Texarkana. That's not a state, but it could be. It's a state of mind. It's like Margaritaville. <laughs> Texarkana is a state of mind. Number 10. <laughs> <It's> like <Margarita. laughs> that's awesome. Like I just let that go. Oh, <laughs> man, that's a good joke. State of mind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Georgia is number 10. Ranked These near, are on the least. Least financially savvy. The state ranked near the bottom of both debt and spending and credit, but it did somewhat better on two other criteria, placing 32nd on financial literacy, 36 on saving. You know, there's a big part. So they know of, what to do. They're just not doing it. <laughs> there's a big part of our community in Atlanta. There's a big part of our community Atlanta. in Atlanta. Yeah, a lot of smart people. Joel Largegard is, is in Atlanta. Paula Pant used to be in Atlanta. Georgia, number I've 10. been now. to Atlanta. I've been through Atlanta. Beautiful highways. Number nine is Alabama. State placed 33rd on credit, but ranked low on the other three criteria. 45th on debt and spending, 49th on literacy, and 43rd on saving. Number eight is Tennessee. That is so weird. Are you from Knoxville? Because you're the only 10 I see. (laughs) He's still got it. Bad pickup lines. You probably rate the highest. On those, I have absolutely no practice. I've been with the same woman for 20 years, so and she still isn't buying your pickup line. And she, she still doesn't even doesn't blink. Like, are you an angel? <laughs> I don't even know the rest of that. What's the rest? I of that don't one? either. No, <laughs> it was just a legit question. Are you an angel? Oh, good. <laughs> Number seven, just uh, south of me, uh, Louisiana. State was in the middle on debt and spending, coming in 33rd place in credit where it ranked 37th, but came in next to last in both financial literacy and saving. And then Missouri, number six. And then number five, Oklahoma. Number four, New Mexico. Which one's going to be last, do you think? I have no idea. Number three, West Virginia. Number two, Arkansas. Uh, Love Arkansas. State's best grade was on credit, where it ranked 37th, which looks good compared to its 50th place on debt and spending, which is amazing. Debt and spending in Arkansas, it must be percentage of your paycheck that you spend because it's so beautiful, but there's few places to spend 
tons of money. I'm an overachiever. I try to spend at least 110%. Yeah, why stop at 100? And then last is uh, Mississippi. Mississippi status is the least financially savvy state, reflects the fact it was ranked lowest of all the states in three categories, debt, spending, financial literacy, and savings, placed next to last in the fourth category, saving. It was also the state with lowest median credit score, the one with the highest delinquency rate on mortgages, auto loans, student loans, and credit cards. You know, obviously, I live close to Arkansas, but the rest of these states I don't live close to. I have passed through. But I think it does give a little bit of credit to you are who you're around. You are influenced by the people that are around you. And I know that when it comes to running as an example, I'm a better runner now because all my friends are runners. You know, if you're around people, I just got back from FinCon and guess what? I'm excited about saving more money than I've been excited. I'm always excited about saving money, but I'm more excited than ever before because I'm surrounded with those people. I think paying attention to who you're with is a big part of winning. The other thing that this tells me is that we need to do a much better job of education and practical application of personal finance in all areas of our country. It's, I mean, just because there's a state that's number one on this list doesn't mean they're actually good at it. It's just, I kind of feel like a lot of it is just rating the worst among the worst because yeah, there's how many so, much, so much education that needs to happen. Very few states have financial education programs in the school system. Yeah. Kids don't know how to balance a checkbook or they don't know how to, you know, the impact of borrowing money. And talking to my children right now about this whole concept of a house payment, they're like, why do you, so we bought it already, but we have to pay it. And I said, yeah, I'll be 60 when it's paid off. Oh my gosh. Why would you want to do that? That's ridiculous. And I'm like, correct answer, you know, and, and a lot of that's at home, of course, but, uh, but the school system and private industry and church groups and things like that, I think can do a much better job of, of educating people about the perils of a lot of this stuff and the good things that come with saving and investing and doing it the right way. I agree. I'll link to this piece on our our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Our second piece, much more controversial. This is written by Kathleen Elkins at uh, CNBC's Make It blog. Mark Cuban says, if you use a credit card, you don't want to be rich. Did you see this piece? No, I did not. I was on my morning run and and my buddy Troy, who usually, you know, we don't talk finance while we're running. He said, hey, you'd be interested in this. You see Mark Cuban said that if you use a credit card, you don't want to be rich. And I said, yeah, we're actually getting ready to getting ready to talk about this on the show. Self-made billionaire Mark Cuban has advice for those looking to build wealth. Don't use credit cards. Quote, Cut up your credit cards. If you use a credit card, you don't want to be rich. The Shark Tank star wrote on his blog in 2008. The first step to getting rich requires discipline. It's advice he wishes he'd heard in his 20s. He told Business Insider in 2014 that credit cards are the worst investment you can make, that the money I save on interest by not having debt is better than any return I could possibly get by investing that money in the stock market. I thought I'd be a stock market genius until I wasn't. I should have paid off my cards every 30 days. Credit card companies make it incredibly easy to spend money you don't have. Most cards only require you to pay 1% to 3% of your balance each month, a tempting option if your budget is tight, but a costly one thanks to interest. Perhaps that's why U.S. households now collectively hold over a trillion dollars in credit card debt. Cuban's solution is to ditch the plastic. Most Americans, 71%, have at least one credit card, though, creditcards.com reports, and more and more Americans are opening accounts. The American Banking Association found that as of the end of 2017, 
there were 364 million open credit card accounts in the U.S., a 4.1% increase since 2016. Uh, what do you think about that? Don't use credit cards if you want to be rich. There's a lot of steps between don't use credit cards and want to be rich, I think, but it's a good clickbaity article if you're Mark Cuban and you want to be the center of attention for another 10 seconds. Yeah, too bad he doesn't get enough press. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with all of his television programs and crappy basketball teams that he owns. The first thing you got the first thing you got to look at in this piece is the date that it was written. And this is what drives me crazy. This piece, he wrote this on his blog in 2008. Yeah. What was going on in 2008 and what lesson did we need to learn collectively as a country that debt can get you into big trouble? Yeah. And so I think knowing a little bit about Mark Cuban and what you just said, another work His around, crappy basketball team. Another work around John cuz I almost used it but I didn't. That he he likes to be flamboyant and use an extreme to teach people a lesson in 2008. Well, and today there's still a bunch of people that do, but as a country, we definitely needed to know that debt kind of got us into this problem, whether it was company debt in Detroit or uh, wall street firms, yeah, mortgages, whatever people with their mortgages. You have to know yourself when it comes to this, because at the end of the day, if you can't trust yourself when it comes to being disciplined with or without a credit card, then you shouldn't have one to begin with. It has nothing to do with whether or not you want to be rich or not want to be rich. If you have a zero balance charge card and every month you charge it and you pay it off and you charge it and you pay it off and you've done that for 25 years, not having that card will not make you magically wealthy. But on the other hand, the opposite can also be true. If you work your tail off and pay off all your credit cards and they're sitting there in the drawer and you really, really want a new fence because the wind blew your other fence down. Wow, that is very specific. Then sometimes you just go, you know, it can't be that bad. I mean, it's just $10,000. I'll pay it off eventually. Someday. You know? And so that can just get really slippery. So if you can't control yourself, then you don't have any business with them. Absolutely. But if you are doing the right thing, then get your membership reward points, man. I like this idea of a cash-only lifestyle when you first when you first start off. You have to. You have to spend it because it has no... It's like my kids when they go, Dad, can I buy five bucks worth of Fortnite, whatever? Sure, go get $5 out of your wallet. And then they open their wallet and they've got six bucks in there and they go, wait a second. Man, this is like all the money I have right now. And I'm not sure when I'm going to get another five bucks. And, you know, I changed my mind. And that's the value of cash. You know, I, I always thought it was really funny that my dad used to carry around a couple hundred dollar bills in his wallet, you know, because we were not people that had hundred dollar bills in our wallet when I was a kid. But one of the reasons for that was because they were so impossible to spend because <laughs> you're like, well, I don't want to spend that one because then I'm going to have a whole bunch of 20s and 10s and 5s and 1s and these are the emergency hundreds, you know, so... You get discounts for cash. That's how that's how rare it is now. I like, like you know, if you're gonna build a fence and the guy said you can charge it or I'll give you three percent off if you pay me in cash. Bada boom, bada bing. Sold. Three yeah. percent discount instead of twenty one percent the other way. Yeah. But I want my point. So I mean, in this example, the person who is building a fence would probably want his or her points. Which are two percent, so you're close to the three. Uh, close enough. Yeah. It's all about the re it's, it's all about how you spend the points. I'll get, I'll get more than 3% value. 
So the first lesson is do as I say, not as I do. Kind of. <laughs> Actually, I like this article. I didn't like how Cook Betty the title was. And if you dig into the time, just like if you dig into the why behind, why does this article exist? What is the what is Cuban, Mark Cuban or the author really saying in this piece? I think you come up with something a little different. But our second takeaway about the least financially savvy states, state of mind, OG. Great money habits are a state of mind. Beth Burns coming down to the basement. She is a financial coach and educator. More important than that, she is a uh, Spartan. Hello. She teaches people to educate for prudent saving, encourages people to mindfully spend their money, and inspires people to do better planning. She's in Chicago, Illinois right now. Beth is also the author of two books, Inner Strength, Outer Success. Her first book, was practical strategies to being happier, healthier, empowered, stronger, and wiser. And her second is a Savvy Girl's Guide to Financial Empowerment. Beth has a Bachelor of Science in Engineering from Michigan State University and an MBA from the University of Chicago, over 30 years of corporate experience, of which 25 is in the financial markets. We're so happy she's here with us today. Let's say a big hello to Beth Burns. And coming down to the stairs to the basement, Beth Burns joins us. How are you? Hi, how are you doing? I'm so happy to be here. Well, I love having another Spartan here with me because it makes the basement so much more fun. <laughs> go green, go white. <laughs> yes, absolutely. First of all, and this isn't usually where I start interviews, Beth, but you've got CPC after your name. Right. I don't remember seeing those initials before. What designation is that? That is Certified Professional Coach. Ah, gotcha. That's what that is. Yes. Excellent. So I actually started in this kind of empowerment world being a life coach. And so I actually got my certification to be a life coach. And when I was coaching so many people, we were talking about issues of money. That was kind of the speed bump that people were coming across that was causing them not to be able to fulfill their goals. And so given that I have this background in the capital markets and in finance and in planning, I said, you know something, I'm going to focus my business on coaching people in financial empowerment. That's cool. I've had the same coach for 15 years, the same life coach, and I'm right. sure she, she probably a CPC also. I just never, I just <laughs> yes. never notice it. But I'll tell you, I love this idea, and this is a whole side track that I didn't think we'd go down. Right. I, I love the idea of having a coach in my corner that looks at my weaknesses and kind of helps protect my blind side. And a lot of the time, money is people's blind side. Yes, often it is. And that's what I was coming across when I was just coaching people for just basic life coaching is that they could not get to it where they wanted to be because of some sort of financial impediment that they just didn't have their finances in order. You know, and it is so critical. It's something that we have to focus on every day and we just sometimes take it for for granted. And I tell people, you have to be organized. So just like you're going on a diet or, you know, anything you else, else you want to accomplish, you've got to think about it every day. 
you have to think about it every time you're spending money. You know, people think that people that coach others are people that, you know, you were, Beth was born and all of a sudden everything worked out perfectly. But in your book, you talk about your story doesn't work that way. And, <laughs> no, I, and not I, love, at all. I love this. You had to learn about money. What was your wake up call? My wake up call was I actually got laid off twice in my career. So I graduated Michigan State at 1986 as an engineer and started working and said, okay, I have a great degree. I'm working for a huge company. This would never happen to me. But then in 1993, I was laid off. And then I got laid off again in 2003. So I just wasn't prepared. Those layoffs really shook me. It was my financial wake-up call. I had to really think about my money. How was I using it every day? Was I really focusing on my goals and objectives? What happened during that time frame? Let's take the first layoff. Right. So you're blindsided by this layoff. Not going to happen to you because you've right. got a great degree, probably doing great at your job. Right. When that happened, how was your money situation? I had started saving for long term. So I started putting money into my 401k, but did not have a lot saved in terms of just emergency savings. Oh. You know, you always hear about that three to six months of savings you should have in case something happens. We hear about that, but we never think it's going to happen to us. <laughs> Guess what? That happened to me. We always think that's not going to happen to me, but it did. So I did not put away. What ended up happening is I got laid off and my unemployment covered my mortgage. And that was about it. But I had to live on credit cards for everything else. Oh no. So every other expense had to go onto a credit card. Wow. And, and people don't understand this, but unemployment only lasts for six months because the government assumes you would have gotten a job by then. <laughs> I was laid off. I was off for 14 months. What did you do for money for those last eight months? I, I lived on credit cards. Yeah. But, That's but, all you can do. Well, but I'm still thinking, so are you using one credit card then to pay off another one? Well, you know what I tried to do is with my unemployment, I would pay my mortgage and then try to pay the minimum amount. So yeah. 20, the $20 that they ask for. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. so that I could keep my credit score positive and up. Yeah. So I just accumulated all this debt during that time. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. You go back to work then and you've got this mountain of debt that you then have right. to begin from, not even from the beginning, from below zero. Right. And then I got laid off again, two and a half years later. <laughs> so I'm trying to catch up and I get laid off again. So when I go back, when I finally get back, I am feverishly saying I have to live differently. I have to focus on how I'm spending money daily. How am I relating to money? Am I focused on what I need to focus on? Because I knew I had goals. So I became a much more organized in journaling my goals. So I put together a, what I would call like a vision board. I need to vision out what I want to do, how I want to live. And I need to be very organized about how I go about executing on everything. So in the book, I talk about every year annually, I came up with a list of goals and they could be as simple as I mentioned having two on-trend pieces in my wardrobe. I wanted to do that, but I also wanted to travel. I also wanted to retire before I turned 65. I want to retire early. I wanted to travel. So every year I list all the things that I want to accomplish for that year. And then I say, okay, what is going to be my priority? And then I also had a house. So there were things I wanted to do with the house. So every year, what do I want to do? How do I pri prioritize these things? And let me spend accordingly. So I never wanted to spend up to what I made. 
I wanted to be able to save. So put away for my 401k for long term, then also save for emergencies and also save to have fun, to enjoy life, to travel, to do things. And you have to be very, very disciplined to do that. It's, it's funny because when we talk about goal setting, there's a certain percentage of any audiences, you know, Beth, that goes, yeah, oh, I've heard that over and over. But this, this idea that you present of, of visualizing yes, and, and making it so that these long-term right. goals, you can see as much as you can see the short-term goal. I think, right. I think that's gotta be the difference, isn't it? Yes. You've got to make a vision board. So if I want to go on a great vacation, I want to put a picture up on my wall. If you look at my wall right now, I have tons of things on my wall and these are things that I want to accomplish. So they stay top of mind all the time, because if you don't keep those things top of mind, you get derailed. You would get derailed by the things on sale, what's going on right now, going out with your friends. So in my coaching, I often tell my clients, let's assume you want to buy a house and that's out of your sphere right now. This is what I want you to do. I tell them, let's go shopping and look for that house. Because once you get a visual of the place you want, it creates a different dynamic in how you spend money every day. One client, we just via on the phone, we got on Zillow and we start looking in the neighborhood she wanted. We start looking at the home she wanted. And I said, can't you visualize yourself in this place? So this is going to keep you focused every day. And I want you to, to snap a picture, keep it on your phone, keep it in your wallet. So every time you open your wallet, I want you to see the picture of that house that you want. That's powerful. And, that, and then all yeah. of a sudden, instead of this drab, oh, I'm saving for a house in the future. Right. Now it's got a name. It's got yes. a look. It's got a yard. It's got yes. all the stuff that you want. Right. And so for my clients that I coach and we can go and actually see the house, I want you to go and visit the house, visit the condo, visit the building that you actually want to live in because then you see yourself there and, then, and we need that. Well, yeah. And then the restraining order happens because <laughs> you're trying to have lunch with these people you don't know. I would advise you to go to the open house. <laughs> Just don't step into someone's home. (laughs) But, you know, I remember when I first moved to Chicago, I loved the old homes that are here. Just the character. I would spend my Sundays visiting open houses. And I would envision myself in all these beautiful, old, historic homes. I loved it. That was my Sunday activity. That's that's really cool. Yeah, you're not (laughs) not spending money. You're probably having some free cookies and lemonade. Right. Right. So you got I'm getting fed. <laughs> getting, getting dinner covered. I'm getting some snacks and I'm just getting some visuals for myself. You've got something that you wrote halfway through the book. And usually mm-hmm. I like focusing on just the front of the book to introduce our Stacky Benjamin's friends to some of the ideas. But I think this is kind of a central theme and I wanted to ask you about it. You yeah. say this quote, liberate yourself from the need for an overabundance of stuff. And focus on building wealth. And you know, Beth, that sounds good, but man, are our lives full of stuff. It's full of stuff. And stuff is so temporary. Stuff is all these depreciating assets like cars and clothes. After you buy them, the thrill is gone. 
Wealth is that feeling you have when you have a ton of money in the bank and you can do whatever you want to do. Most people don't have that feeling. Yeah. You know, this is when you're at peace with yourself. When you have the worst pair of jeans on, a ripped t-shirt, but you have a ton of money in the, bu- in the bank. <laughs> right, right. Instead of a ton of money in your jeans. <laughs> right. right. And people are financing cars for seven years. Cars don't even last that long. <laughs> but <laughs> you're fine. You're financing it beyond its useful life. (laughs) But here's my question. Tactically, though, so I get it. That makes a cerebral sense to me. But tactically, how do I make that switch? Like when you're working with a client, how Uh do you go from this stuff mentality and this consumerism to, you know what, stuff isn't going to be fulfilling. I need to build wealth. How How do you keep somebody on the straight and narrow there? Yeah. Often that desire for stuff is that we want to emulate other people. And we have to get out of that. We have to we have to not compare ourselves with others because we don't know the situation that they are encountering. We have to live life for ourselves. I always tell my clients, stay in your own lane because you don't know what other people are going through. So don't try to emulate other people. Create your own narrative because someone is always going to try to bring you over to their side because that gives them comfort. Come spend money with me, do what I'm doing because that confirms what they're doing. So you have to set your own narratives. You have to be very mentally strong and you have to say, what do I want out of life? How do I want want my life to look? So this is going to keep you focused. These are the dreams. This is why I tell people you have to have a vision board. You've got to put up on your wall every day, your life of what you want. That's funny. It's as much a blocker as Mm -hmm. it is your vision. You're blocking out everybody else's vision because all your eyes can see is this board in front of you. Right. All the time. Again, I constantly keep pictures up on my wall. So for instance, when I travel, I love to travel. I travel all the time. People like, oh, are you going to buy new clothes for your trip? No. Why should I buy new clothes for my trip? Those people don't care what I'm wearing in another country. I buy used clothes. You know, I'm a proponent of buying things used. Why not? Clothes are so disposable. We don't need to buy new. My daughter is a fashionista, I -hmm. think is is the term, but she has also learned how to do that on a budget. She knows she loves clothes. So she is consistently selling clothes at consignment shops yes. and then she buys her clothes at consignment shops. So her, her budget to look good is more a time budget because right. going through piles and piles of used clothes to find the stuff that fits ends up being, you know, she spends a little more time, but she looks great all the time. Right. And I tell people, you have to focus on key things. So one of my goals is always get one or two on-trend items for my wardrobe each season or something. It could be as simple as buying a new jacket or a vest or just something simple. Have something, have some very plain black pants on, a plain black shirt, and throw on a really cool vest. There's ways that you can create a wonderful wardrobe and be creative and still look on-trend. Speaking of creative, we're coming up on the end of the year. You and I both know that this is the time when people get into huge debt. Yes. How do you stay away from debt with your clients in the holiday season? Yeah. And I tell them, look at how many people take back Christmas gifts. It's unbelievable how much useless opportunity cost is lost around Christmas. 
I'm a big proponent. Like I don't buy gifts. I really don't. I prefer to give people for my younger nieces and nephews, they get cash because that way they can buy their own thing and it saves time. But I'm just a big proponent of saying, let's spend time together. So I'm going to buy a bottle of wine. Let's just sit down and have dinner. Let's spend time together. That is so much more important. And people remember the experience. Sometimes when we get into buying gifts, it becomes, can I outspend the other person? Why do we do that to ourselves? That's, that's not productive. That really, that is, you're wasting a lot of money on things that people probably already have or don't need. There's so much wasted uh, money around the holidays. It's just unbelievable. But if somebody's already got the credit card debt, they already have the problem. Where do you start with those people? You've got to start paying off the credit cards with the highest interest rate first. You've got to start there because I was just talking to a client about this. And I tell people, don't cancel credit cards because what you want need to establish to get your credit score up is a consistent payment history. So what I want my clients to do is let's start with the credit cards that have the highest interest rates and pay consistently all the time, the minimum amount. If there's an opportunity to roll your credit card debt over to another credit credit card, there's a go to nerd wallet. They list a ton of credit cards that don't have roll order charges yeah. or annual fees, roll it over. Cause the goal is to try to get that interest rate down. Because there are some credit cards that are charging as much as 28%. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. I tell my clients for every $1 you spent, you're paying $1.28. Do you understand what you're doing? Yeah. That is absolutely nuts. And if you buy something on sale, you're paying more for it. You know, over the time you're financing, then it costs for you to buy it. <laughs> then you it wasn't on sale. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's funny. I remember having back when I was a financial planner back in the day, I, 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 uh, I would have clients that would have credit card debt at these high interest rates. And I would say to them, Beth, you know, 25% rate of return. What do you think? I have an investment with a 25% rate of return. What do you think? They're like, that sounds too good to be true. Right. I'm like, well, then guess what? You're too good to be true for the credit card companies. Cause they're loving, right. they're loving you. Cause they're you are the 20, you. you're the 25% rate of return. And then, and when people sit down and look at their credit cards, it's for all these things that they don't even remember, all these experiences they may not even remember. Like I, I talk about like the small things. This is why I, I talk to my clients about going to a cash world for small things. So if you want to budget, budget with cash. So pull out every week the amount of money that you're going to spend on lunches and coffees and things like that. Just pull it out in cash and use cash for those purchases. And then every day, look in your wallet. How much do I have left to spend this week? And you start to realize how much money leaves you, your pockets just based on small little random purchases. That's it is, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. When you finally pay attention to everything that comes out of your wallet, yeah. you're, you're surprised. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing. I'll go into places and I'll say, oh, I'm going to pay cash for that. And they're like, you really? I'm like, yeah, I try to live in a cash world for small purchases. And you realize how much you spend per week. It is a lot of money. It's a, it's a great idea and phenomenal psychology. Uh, the book is called Inner Strength, Outer Success. I'll tell everybody because you can't see the book. This is a very, very small book, 
but Beth, when I first got this book, I'm like, wow, this is small. Cool art, by the way. Karen Light does a great job with the illustrations. But but when I open it up, like every page packs a punch. There is yeah. no wasted space here. No, no. This is, this is all big stuff. No, it's, it's, I, it's 50 something pages. I think I made it 50 pages because I felt, why should I spend 200 pages getting to the point? I want, I want the reader to read a section and put it down and think about it, read another section, put it down and think about it. So it's not a long book. It's not a long, a lot of stories that take a long time to develop. It's, these are the things you, you need to do. And I made the book into a workbook so that you can start taking action. So there's actually pages to create a budget. There's to do's regarding finding out about your interest rates. There's to do's regarding, again, my favorite, your vision board, creating your vision board. You've yeah. got to do that. Yeah. That is so important. It's so funny. We talked about that for long-term goals. We talked about that, about getting out of credit card debt. I mean, it all revolves back around the same vision board idea. And I absolutely love that. Where do people get the book? The book is on Amazon. Awesome. And you know yes. what? Uh, we will link to it in our show notes if you're out walking the dog or you're on your way to and from work or whatever at stackybedjamins.com. Beth Burns, fellow Spartan, thanks for coming down to the basement. No, thanks for having me. This has been wonderful. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And to all of you adorable people out there in Orlando... You're welcome. And all of you waiting patiently for me to visit Kansas City and Detroit, I can appreciate your excitement. I mean, it's me we're talking about here, but that's then, and this is now. So let's focus on today's trivia question, shall we? Recently, GE replaced their CEO. What CEO of General Electric did investors, critics, and some friends call Neutron Jack? I'll be back with the answer in just a moment. OG and I both would like to say a big thanks to Slack for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Slack is a collaboration hub for work, whether your workplace is a circus like the basement or much better organized, Slack will help you get all the right people on your team kept in the loop and the information they need always at their fingertips. Teamwork on Slack happens in channels, letting you organize conversations and information around projects, offices, and teams. And because everything you need to work is in one place, it's faster and easier to get things done. We were all over the place, OG, this last week with FinCon, with all of our travel schedules, and Slack helped us get through it. It really did. The biggest thing I like about it is it replaces email. You know, you don't have to go through and search that threaded email for that topic. Or I was looking for something the other day from a year ago in an email, and I'm thinking, oh, I wish that my personal life was on Slack because I could just like put it was a personal email that I had to find. I totally got to do that. I got to get all my personal, like a personal channel, Cheryl and I and my kids on Slack. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. I just thought of a new thing for Slack. Slack personal. There it is, Slack. You guys can thank me later. Yes, we won't even charge you for that one. Slack connects the tools and services you need in one place, as OG mentioned. It allows you to organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives, all in one easy-to-use app. No more searching through emails for that one follow-up or searching through multiple systems to find what you're looking for. Don't have to switch across tons of tabs and platforms to keep updated with work. You know what I was thinking, OG, while you were talking? Google's getting rid of their innovative mailbox. You see this news just the other day? They have an innovative platform called Inbox. 
and it's going bye-bye. So might be another reason for new people to try out Slack if you're using a different uh, email system. Although this isn't email, this just replaces... It's not. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's like a communication... Hub. Yeah. Yeah. Hub. You can drag and drop file sharing that works with the apps you already use, like Jira, Salesforce, Sendex, and Google... Google Drive. Never heard of Google Drive, but Google Drive. Somebody comes up with Google Drive, it'll probably do that too. <laughs> you could tailor. Could also, be sued for for patent infringement. But. Right. By us, because we came up with Google Drive. Uh, plus, tailor Slack to your work f- with more than a thousand apps. There's mobile apps for iOS and Android. So while I was at Disney, uh, I was able to check Slack from time to time, and it syncs seamlessly wherever I'm at with whatever project we left off on Slack, where work happens, learn more at slack.com. That is slack.com. We're also excited that magnify money supports the show. Let's head over to magnify money while we're here. OG and check it out. Uh, Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. You'll hear me typing right now. And if we head over to the Med- magnify money blog, which is an award winning blog, we'll see there that there is always cool stuff going on. Our friend Mandy Woodruff from the Brown Ambition podcast runs that. APR versus monthly payment. Which should you focus on? That's interesting. Should you focus on interest rate? Should you focus on monthly payment? Fantastic. What is APR? Why a low monthly payment might not be cheap? Monthly payment versus APR. What should I focus on when shopping for a loan? How do I reduce the cost of my loan? That piece written by Shen Liu, and you'll find it on the fantastic Magnify Money blog. Also, there's plenty of calculators there between your money personality quiz, credit card payoff calculator, snowball versus avalanche calculator, personal loan calculators. How much house can I afford? I might need that one right now. How to complain when you complain to a place about your bill. All of that plus every way to compare and save on all those bank products you use every day. What if you could take 92% of the banks and put them all in one place? That's what Magnify Money is. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money for more. And his mom says, if you use our link, StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money, that tells them we sent you. Hey there, trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, back with a thrilling conclusion to today's trivia question. Hey, with GE in the news lately for surprising everyone with a change at the CEO position, I thought it'd be timely and relevant to share a GE-related question. Uh, okay, so that's that's not exactly true. Actually, Joe's mom thought it would be timely, and to get out of washing the dishes tonight after dinner, I agreed to share her trivia question. So if this one sucks, it's totally on that old lady. Anyway, here it was. What CEO of General Electric did investors, critics, and some friends call Neutron Jack? The answer? While many investors and analysts said that a CEO would make little difference when it came to a company as huge as GE, Jack Welch turned state-old General Electric into a growth stock, bringing double-digit earnings year after year during his two decades at the helm of the company from 1981 to 2001. Why is he called Neutron Jack? He's known for cutting lagging divisions and lagging employees. Speaking of, Joe's mom's going to cut off my supply of dessert if I don't get rolling on mowing the lawn. See ya! Big thanks to Beth Burns for coming down to the basement. I love how the book's so small and yet 
It packs a punch. It doesn't need to be a huge book. One of your favorite books, The War of Art, little tiny book. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know, if you've got a 6,000 page Trieste done, <laughs> getting better. Yeah. If nobody can get through it, if you can say what you want to say concisely. I love this quick, right to the point, do it. Yeah. Focus on the Just, action, not on developing some big, big strategy. Hey, how about if we throw out the Haven Lifeline? And tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends over at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they're putting what you value first, OG. Things I value the most, definitely watching the uh, Dallas Mavericks win at least 25 games this year. <laughs> at least. Send all your hate mail Mavs fans to OG at stackingbenjamins.com. No, no, they're going to win at least 25. I can tell. I mean, this is going to be a good season for them. And really financial education. You know, let's make sure that we... Uh, and not the Mark Cuban education. Let's get everybody American Express cards, but they got to pay them off. Or just go with the Beth Burns education. Yes, or that. Better stuff there. It could be either of those two or your loved ones in your time. That's why they've created a modern way to buy quality term life insurance. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. Haven Life, affordable prices. Policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual. No waiting several weeks for a decision. Usually you'll get one very quickly. Lovely customer support. Stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. And today we're throwing out the Haven Lifeline to our new friend, Nick. Say hi, Nick. Hi, Joe and OG. This is Nick in LA. And I just wanted to say I love the show, even if I don't learn anything. I wanted to ask you what type of financial planner you would recommend for a person in my situation. I have a side hustle that has quickly turned into my main hustle and is grossing around 200 grand a year. My wife and I bought a house, had a baby, and other fun things all this year. We manage all of our finances ourselves. I have no retirement savings. She has a 401k through her work, and we're quickly knocking out student loans. In all of the CPAs, tax accountants, financial planners, insurance agents, and all of that kind of stuff, who do you think I should be calling to deal with all this money? Thanks for the question, Nick. OG, lots of stuff going on in Nick's life. What do you think? Hey, Nick. Uh, congratulations on what sounds to be a pretty awesome year, having a baby and buying a house and, oh, making a quarter million dollars. That's not too shabby either. So good on you. thing when it comes to a financial planner, like who is best for you is really kind of a very personal decision based on who you get along well with. I think that assuming that all things are equal in terms of experience and education and the ability to communicate, you really want to work with somebody that you want to work with. There's certainly the case, Joe, I know you make the case for your personal coach of being completely opposite of you, completely different thinking and challenging you and things like that. And I think that's great for like a personal coach type of relationship where you're trying to grow yourself. But when it comes to your personal finances, I feel like the person that you're dealing with ought to think a lot like how you think about, but maybe at the next level, you know, see the next domino that might fall or see the next event in your life or kind of forecast that sort of stuff. For you, it sounds like the biggest benefit to working with anybody isn't the fact that you don't know how to do it. It's clearly you know how to be successful. You've started a business and grown it to a pretty good income. You know, you're a successful family and 
paying off your student loans and all that sort of stuff. So it's not that you don't know how to do this. It's just, I bet that you're feeling pretty overwhelmed with all of this other stuff that's going on. New family, new baby, new house, new job. And someone who can take over those things and work in concert with you to look at it from the perspective of the financial planner is not in charge. They just take charge of all of it and report back to you. The way we do it is on six-month increments. And we schedule an hour and say, here's what's going on in your, in your world money-wise. What do you have questions on? Here are the next things we need to work on. Off we go. But I, I really feel like it's got to be somebody that is in there with you. You know, if you're a 30-year-old with a new baby, a new house, and a side job, I don't know that you get along well with a 78-year-old about to retire out of my business. I, th- I think for, for Nick especially, it's got to be somebody who works with entrepreneurs. It's got to be somebody who gets that entrepreneurial mindset and also somebody who's holistic, not somebody who's looking at one thing. Because I think the big challenge for Nick is how do you make the business work for you instead of you just working for the business? I think too many people work for their business after they create it and the business becomes this monster that they can't control and it gets harder and harder versus the other way around. How do you make the business inform inform you? Yeah. Interview a number of people. I think you'll find the right one eventually. I think the other type of coach that's important because I look at financial planners the way I look at any other coach, which is why I like, uh, almost said it. I like what OG just said, which is that it's got to be somebody who's in there with you. I think a good business coach, you know, I'd read the E-Myth. I'd read Profit First look at those books, but then I think I'd have a business coach who can also help you design that business uh, business for you. So I think that's a good one, two punch. What do you think of that? Love it. Yeah, good stuff. Make it happen. Thanks for the question, Nick. We also get letters down here in the basement and Doug just dropped this one in my lap. This comes to us from Drew. Drew says, adjust your gross income, modified adjusted gross income question. Those are our favorites. Anytime somebody talks about AGI, MAGI, I get all goosebumpy. My wife or I are on the financial independence path and our gross income is over $200,000 per year. We're maxing out our 401k and Roth IRA accounts. Overall, we're in good shape. Technically, we're past the phase out range for contributing to our Roth IRA. Should we explain that? Yeah, sure. Very simply, there's a level of income at which you can contribute to a Roth. There's a level of income in which you can't. And then there's this middle ground where the IRS makes it super complicated to figure out, well, you can contribute some, but just not all. And that's the phase out. That's the middle ground. That is is the middle ground. So they're past that because of their income. So let's move on. I'm trying to find the sweet spot to maximize our Roth 401k, but still keep our adjusted gross income at a level so we can still contribute to our Roth IRA. Now, I heard of something called modified adjusted gross income. Can you describe the difference between adjusted gross income and modified adjusted gross income and the impacts it has on filing taxes? I doubt you'll be able to answer this question, but I thought I'd say, sorry, I should do that without laughing. You caught me there, Drew. I doubt you'll be able to answer this question, but I thought I'd send it anyway. Your good background now is my way to work, but I never learned anything from you guys. Oh, that's funny. Thanks, Drew, for the question. OG, adjusted gross income versus modified adjusted gross income. I think there's a little confusion in the language here. So at first, he was talking about not being able to contribute to a Roth because he makes too much. Is that right? Yes. 
but then says, I want to contribute to my Roth 401k, but I still want to contribute to my Roth. So I'm a little confused here. So if to contribute to a Roth IRA, one must have modified adjusted gross income under a certain level. And the difference between AGI and MAGI are just a few addbacks. And the biggest ones are things like student loan interest and educator expenses. And there's probably some other like fringe things, but generally speaking, you're really close with AGI. Yeah. We don't need to muddy the waters here and go, well, but my MAGI and AGI, it's really close to the same for most people. Frankly, if you're doing your tax return or your CPA or account pro is doing a tax return on anything other than paper and pencil, the computer will figure all this out for you. And you can do this in the W-4 calculator on the IRS website as well. And so if you have gross income of you know, a high amount and you're trying to reduce it so that you can contribute to a Roth, well, the only way to reduce your income is to contribute to your pre-tax 401k plan. As he says here, if you contribute to the Roth, that's not going to reduce your gross income because that's after tax. And so it's very unique. There is no formula to figure out. You just have to look at your tax return or look at your estimated tax return for this year and plug in the numbers on the front of the 1040 and say, I'm going to make this in gross income. If I take out this of pre-tax savings, plus my interest, plus my dividends, plus my capital gains, plus my side hustle income, plus my rental property income, that gets me to my total adjusted gross income. That's the number that's going to matter as it relates to whether or not you can contribute to the Roth. If you're really close, there's two ways to handle it. One is to pre-fund your Roth and then recognize that at the end of the year, you'll probably have to do a recharacterization. You got to take some money out because you contributed too much. I personally think that's a giant pain in the butt and rife with errors. And, you know, the next year you get a 1099. It's just, it just complicates things beyond what it needs to be. So what I would recommend for people that are really close, just wait till the end of the year, right before you file your taxes, say to your CPA, oh, by the way, can you tell me how much money I can put into a Roth this year? And if he or she says, you can put $1,112.32, boom, drop the check and that's that. There it is. In the meantime, the way the tax brackets are in terms of how low taxes are today, relative to how they've always been, I'm a real big fan of Roth 401ks right now. So, because you don't have to mess with any of that, just put eighteen and a half thousand dollars in it. If you're over fifty, you can put another six, and you get a match. The match is always going to go on the pre-tax side, but but we're talking about how do I get five grand in my Roth bucket? I would say, how do you get twenty-five grand in your Roth bucket? Why not do just after-tax contributions in your four hundred one k, assuming that your plan allows it? So do all pre-tax right now, max it out, and then put the five grand in the after-tax of your 401k and roll it out every year into a Roth. That's an option too. Affectionately known as the super Roth. Bum, bum, ba-dum. Whenever people oh, say- Oh, sorry. St- no, no. It's not the super Roth. It, they call it the mega backdoor Roth. Mega backdoor Roth. Yes. And depending on the collection of IRAs outside of your 401k plan, you can still do backdoor Roth IRAs. Uh, you know, where you contribute to the IRA, wait a little while, and then do a conversion. So if you're looking at it from the perspective of how do I get 5500 bucks into my retirement account this year, additional above my 401k, there's a thousand places to do that. So look at the forest and not necessarily the trees here. 
Thanks for the question, Drew. If you've got a question for the show, head to stackingbenjamins.com and you'll find at the top of the page all the ways you can interact with us. And uh, Nick is going home with a Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt. By the way, I got the mug today. Just love this mug. You can find the mug and uh, shirts and everything at uh, stackybedjamins.com forward slash store. Uh, Fun stuff there. Coming up on Friday, a special episode of the show. We're going to take you to FinCon 2018. I talked to some of the different brands there, found out exciting new things that are happening at FinCon. It's a once a year potpourri show where you're going to hear about some new, exciting, and fun stuff. And uh, really the reason why I lost my voice. That's coming up Friday on the show instead of our normal episode. Next week, our roundtable will be back on uh, Friday as usual. Last but not least, if you're looking for better financial help, run out of time for 2018 because he's got the door open until the end of October. OG's company's taking clients. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G. That's stackybedjamins.com forward slash OG. And you can get on his calendar if you need better financial help in your corner. That's going to do it for today, man. Give my voice a little break, OG. Fun being back here in the basement. Give our ears a little break, more like. <laughs> From this howl. So excited, by the way. We have uh, lots of planning meetings this week for you, Kansas City. We're getting ready for Kansas City. Kansas Live show 2.0. Kansas City, here we come. October 9th, stackybedjamins.com forward slash tour for more on that. All right, Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, take some advice from Beth Burns. Tracking your expenses and paying down debt? Those aren't limiting. They free up you and your money to be the best you can be. Second, worried about your financial prowess? Well, I'll tell you, prowess is never something I worry about. But if you're worried about it, surround yourself with financially savvy people and engineer your own education and you'll be on top of your money game in no time. But the big lesson? Turns out Neutron Jack and I have lots in common. He ran a major company. I pretty much run this show. He fired the bottom people at GE when they didn't perform. But I pretty much run the show. He added exciting new divisions to the company. I keep the show afloat with trivia. We're practically twins. Dude, let's go hit up the Sizzler. Have a few cocktails. Know what I mean? Special thanks to Beth Burns for stopping by the basement. You can find out more about Beth at innerstrengthoutersuccess.com or find more in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and there's a 73% chance that I played Chuck on Happy Days. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor.
I got to use the after show here to uh, to say a few things about FinCon that uh, you won't hear on on our show Friday. But uh, first of all, big thanks to everybody who stopped and introduced themselves in the hallways of FinCon. I can imagine how challenging it was for you walking around. And people are like, "Oh my gosh, thank you, Benjamin. Are you OG?" You're like, "No, I'm just Joe." Oh, it was horrible. Like the times that never happen were incredible. They were just. They were just amazing. I got lost in the back. It was just so hard to see where to go. We did have a few things in Orlando. I thought it was a fantastic show. We had a good time. I'm not going to. We're not going to talk much about the live show because we don't want to spoil it for people coming. But, but we we've got some tweaks. We got we learned a lot in our first show. I thought Chris Browning was fantastic. I thought yes. that our lineup of guests were fantastic. But we definitely learned some things about performing on stage. I'd say. Was it we needed more booze or less booze? I can't remember what we decided. I think it depends on which part of the show you're talking about. <laughs> but, but it was fun. But anyway, everybody that said uh, hello introduced himself. I feel like I came home, OG, with a lot more friends. And everybody did ask, speaking of that, of where you were and uh, where Doug was. My, my after-school activity is just too fun. Yeah, sadly, couldn't stay. Hopefully next year. Although that lands it, right in the it, middle Well, of it's year. earlier, so that'll help for sure. Yeah, next year it will be in Washington, D.C. So Man, I want to go there. I've never been to D.C. D.C., we are looking at you for a possible live show next year, whether you want one or not. Oh, we're going to do this again? <laughs> Another live show besides the two more we're doing? We're still going to go through with them all? We. I, I think we're contractually obligated, unfortunately, <laughs> at this point to do two more of those. Also, the keynote speakers at FinCon, Gene Chatsky is amazing, as always, on the main stage. I enjoyed her talk about empowerment. Super empowering, though, was Rachel Cruz, Dave Ramsey's daughter. For those people that don't know, Rachel, she had a great message my favorite message was, and I think it's good not just for entrepreneurs or podcasters or whoever, I think it's just a better way to live your life is to live your life not as the hero, but as the guide. If you're a guide for other people, I thought that was a good lesson that she uh, had during her talk among several others. And then closing keynote speakers, Pete, uh, Mr. Money Mustache, just did a Q&A. Before that, he had a few slides and uh, a little commentary he was the same as always. I was sitting next to Roger Whitney, the retirement answer man, and Roger had never seen Pete speak before. And I said, it's going to be, it's going to be a treat because he's so laid back and he's so incredibly intelligent. And it was a lot of fun uh, being in the audience for that. And then Chris Hogan, who is a walking motivational speaker, you, you talk to Chris Hogan in the halls and that guy could talk to his kids about eating their breakfast in the morning. And by the time he gets done making the eggs, the kids are probably so pumped up about eating the eggs. They, they want two helpings just because good people eat their eggs and you're a good person and you can do it and you've got the ability. It's fantastic. We're going to have Chris Hogan on the show. He has a new book coming out in January. We'll have him on the show. He's going to be on a lot of shows because he did a lot of interviews at uh, FinCon, but, but we'd be happy to have Chris. And what a, what a good guy. First time I've met Chris, I've met Rachel and uh, of course, uh, Pete and Gene before, but had never met Chris Hogan. Those were good. I got my five minutes on the main stage as if I needed more time on the main stage at FinCon. 
after three years of being the MC. But that was, it was fun. I got to talk about creativity. Is that why it only lasted five minutes? It's about as much as you had. That's all. Actually, that was the name of my talk. The name of my talk was, yeah, I got nothing. And it's about those times when just you're sitting in front of an empty screen or you've got a microphone in your face or whatever, and you've got nothing. But yeah, PT was... So, so just like every show we do, all, all 800, where you just look at me what are we across gonna, the table and you say, what do you think about that, OG? What are we going to talk about today? I just look at you with this blank stare and go, yeah, I got... Oh, oh. Yeah, probably not. But a great time. So thanks to, uh, anyway, thanks to everybody. New friends and old. Love FinCon and uh, very tired. I, I slept eight hours night before last, which doesn't seem remarkable, but it was my first time in seven days sleeping that long. But I also slept like I was dead. I didn't dream. I didn't wait. I didn't, you know, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you look up and go, oh yeah, it's still dark. Okay. Alarm hasn't got off. None of that. Yeah. That's what we call a coma. I slept. I did. I slept from end to end, just dead. And then on the plane on the way home, I used to fly more often than I than I do. Well, lately, but before lately, I hadn't flown much at all. And uh, I slept in the airport. I slept on the plane. I just my. I don't know, man. It started moving, and I was just out, slightly tired, but so happy to be back. Can't wait to make some money in the mornings. Also, that's going to be fun. But also, happy for mom's cookies. Okay. Let's go get some. Sounds like a plan. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.